0: Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Goodrich, a principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce and the former director of the FedRAMP program for the federal government. Matt, thank you uh, for taking the time to join us. This is in many ways an exit interview since you left government about six weeks to two months ago. So uh, welcome back to the program in many ways.
1: Thanks for having me, Jason. It's good to be here.
0: Let's start at the beginning. You left GSA, a little bit of a surprise, but uh, you spent about a decade in government. What was uh, what went into your decision? Why was the time right to uh, take a jump into the private sector?
1: You know, I think, one, the most successful people I know of in government are those that spent time inside and outside of government. And I started my career in government about 10 years ago, and it felt like it was a good chance to really kind of jump and see the other side. I left FedRAMP really about more like eight months ago, nine months ago, and took on an acting role running the Office of Products and Programs within GSA. And when it came back time for me to have a permanent person in that position, it felt like the right time not to go back to the program, but to really see what was next in my career. And it felt like the right time to go.
0: In many ways, I mean, 10 years is not a long time, but if you think about the people, as you mentioned, the people who have are successful, they jump to the other side, they may come back. Uh, did... did did you always think that you would, one, spend 10 years in government, and two, did you think, well, I want to try the private sector eventually? Or is that something that maybe occurred to you over the last couple of years?
1: Um, I think it's always been kind of there. I'll, to be honest, when I started in government, I started as a presidential management fellow and figured, let's do these two years. We'll see what happens. We'll see what I do afterwards. And luckily, just had a really great experience, got to do some really great things at GSA and continued doing that. But I never really thought of my time in government as time in government or sort of a tour of duty like some people describe it as. I always just thought it was a great job. And so at this point, it just felt like it was time for the next right opportunity to go. Um, But, you know, like you said, a decade can be a long time when you look at everything that's happened, but it really isn't that long. And I, I don't think that this is my last time in government. I think this is just the right next career opportunity for me.
0: Very good point. Something I probably would have asked you later on in the show. But let's, t- let's talk a little bit about your background. You started as a presidential management fellow. How did you decide that that was the path you wanted? Did someone kind of recruit you, so to speak, or did you see it when you're in college? Talk about that initial uh, foray into the government.
1: Sure. I did IT in undergrad, and then and law, I went to law school. And when I was graduating law school, it was kind of a bad time to be graduating with the economy and with a bunch of law schools basically admitting too many students. <laughs> so I was graduating, it was a pretty tough job market, and I saw this fellowship, applied for it, and really just had a great interview um, with my first boss, Katie Lewin, and had a lot of fun, saw there were some great opportunities, saw that I could really have some fun impacts that might have been different than what I originally thought of when I went into law school, thought I could really combine that sort of policy knowledge around law and all of that with my IT background, and it felt like a good fit in I think it has been
0: so you're a recovering lawyer is what you're saying
1: <laughs> right i i still have the i can still get offended when someone says something against attorneys but i can also say no that's not me i'm not actually practicing exactly
0: <laughs> well as, as as my dad always says who's a lawyer uh i continue to practice to get better at law right <laughs> exactly. let's discuss your new role at salesforce it's in the it world you're not being a lawyer for a salesforce so uh and then why what made that company something that was uh, uh something that was attractive
1: Sure. So I, I joined a, a small team of security architects, and we're kind of like the SWAT team that helps with security questions from customers, whether their potential or new. And so in the role, I kind of have two goals, I would say, which is one, to help connect CISOs and security professionals who use Salesforce, and also help strengthen the, the kind of public branding of Salesforce's security and compliance in public sector. And so for the first part, you know, I think one thing I experienced a lot when I was at GSA and FedRAMP was that the security professionals are people who can say no and stop something from happening, but they're very rarely involved in the process or know who is in charge of certain things when you're implementing solutions. So I see that from this side of the house, making sure I wanna know that those security professionals and CISOs who use Salesforce know who to go to, know who can help answer their questions and make sure they know that their feedback isn't getting lost. Um, and making sure that they are also connecting with their peers. Because a lot of times I saw that it's not necessarily the vendor who's able to make the solution for them, but it's the vendor who can connect people within government to their peers who are doing the same thing. So that's one part of it. And the second is Salesforce has amazing security and compliance. And I think in public sector, that brand needs to be more important for vendors because it's becoming such a big deal in any industry, but particularly in government. So I want to make sure that we're out there talking about and demonstrating what we do for our customers because trust is one of Salesforce's number one tenets, one of the things we believe in most is how we know that customers use us is because they trust us. I want to make sure that that's really well known across government, too, and public sector, that we do take that at the heart of everything we do as a, as a company.
0: I would agree with you that Salesforce is not known for a security company. Not that they don't take security seriously, but when you know when I talk to CIOs and other people in, in the federal government, nobody ever says, oh, well, we needed better security, so we went to Salesforce. Again, not saying it's not a secure company, but that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Is that part of what you're going to try to kind of communicate back to the government, the people you know and you work with uh, during your time in government?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you go to Salesforce anywhere where they talk about trust, and so I think one of the things that we don't talk about that enough in public sector is that trust and how they can trust us. Customers put their data in about everyone that they're interacting with and trust us to secure that. And so that's something that I want to make sure people know that we do take that very seriously. And so for me, when I was looking at companies to go to, you know, having a company that had that same ethos that I have around protecting data and protecting privacy of our users' information, it made a lot of sense that this was the type of place that I wanted to work. Give me a sense
0: about the decision to go to the private sector. What went into it? What were you looking for in a job? And what other types of companies did you look at? Or, or did you even look at other jobs potentially in government? Was it, Or was it always, I think it's time for the private sector?
1: You know, I did think for a little bit at the beginning about whether another place in government would be right for me. And I think GSA afforded me such an amazing opportunity with the type of interactions I got to have with other customers across the government, but as well as with industry. They didn't feel like I would have the right next step within government, at least right now um, at another agency. So I decided it was you know, really looking at private sector. And truth, truth be told, I really didn't think I was going to go to a large tech company. Um, I was really thinking, looking at some smaller consulting firms or some startups. But I got connected with my new boss, Mike Rosa, at an event um, and his boss, Paul Tatum, and really just had some great conversations about what Salesforce was doing in the public sector. To your point, the recognition that maybe they don't have the best brand around security and that I could really maybe help with that and really saw how my career could grow with Salesforce and sort of go at the same time. And I really felt like, Once we started having the conversation, I didn't really have to think about it that much. (laughs) It just sort of made sense from the type of company and the type of work they were doing and the type of work they're doing in public sector. And I think that's another thing to realize is I might be at a bigger company, but I'm still in public sector. My focus is still on government's work and how we can improve that experience for citizens with the government. So I think that's another thing that really attracted me was that it wasn't just Going over the private sector, it was still private sector, but focused in public sector.
0: I think that's key for a lot of different government people who leave, executives who leave, and then and, and try out the private sector. They still are connected to a mission. They're still connected to the. To the bigger goal of, of improving services to citizens and the, and the like. It's interesting also to hear you say that I, I didn't really have to think about it. It just made sense to me, almost like your gut told you, hey, this is a good fit for me. But it's only been a short time, but do you feel like you're fitting in well? And, and, and what types of things, if you can go to, into a high level, are you starting to work on?
1: It is feeling like the right place, even after I made that decision. I mean, it is very interesting going from, you know, running a large office to being part of a small team, but I'm really enjoying actually getting back and, and doing real work in terms of, instead of just sort of guiding direction of programs, if you will. And so, you know, some of the work that we're doing is really focusing on how to connect those thisos that are using Salesforce in ways that is beneficial to them. Also understanding what they're saying, what their interactions have been with Salesforce, and then figuring out what questions we need to have more out there and answering sort of creating that branding that makes sense and resonates. So I'd say right now, I have a lot of ideas and what I want to do. But I'm still kind of taking what I did at FedRAMP and stepping back and saying, what is it that our customers are saying? What is it that these systems need kind of in that discovery phase? And I'm going to let that dictate kind of where I go and how I make the best impact for Salesforce and also for me.
0: And if, as you've made the f- initial phone calls, to let people know where you've landed and, and, and what's the reaction been? Most people are excited. Are they like, oh, no, another former
1: Fed's going to call me on the phone to try to talk to me? <laughs> so far, I haven't gotten that, which has been nice. That's very nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and every, and you know, it's been fun. Everyone, you know, as soon as I say Salesforce says, oh, what a great choice. So it isn't something that people have kind of reacted with any sort of wow, that's interesting. Or why would you make that choice? Everyone sort of understands that it's a great company to work for and, and really enjoy using the platform. So it's been, it's been great right now.
0: All right. Well, we'll check in in a couple months and hopefully it will continue to be great. <laughs> Matt, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can get into your career in government and specifically all the hard work you did with FedRAMP. My guest is Matt Goodrich a former director of FedRAMP and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Goodrich, the former director of FedRAMP and and currently the principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. Matt, before the break, we were talking a little bit about your background, how you got to government, and the decision to go to the private sector. Let's jump right in. Let's discuss your career in government. You mentioned how you came to GSA, but what you're probably best known for is really taking FedRAMP, the Federal Risk Authorization Management Program for cloud security services, from what we call a startup program to really a well-established initiative. So let's describe that challenge and, and how you went about tackling that huge effort.
1: At the beginning, my greenness and naivety in in terms of how government works actually helped. Also, I wasn't a cybersecurity professional starting. And so I think that helped a lot too, because I had a lot of individuals that had all of the right technical acumen that I didn't have, but I knew that this program was going to work. It had to work for everyone, not just people who were deep in the knowledge of how government runs. So I think kind of being new and green and, and not really having the ideas of what I was gonna hit, and also making sure we had the right team to make sure that I could understand it really helped. But really the biggest part of the process in the program that I enjoyed, which was what was hard but also fun, was having to get all the varied stakeholders together and getting them to talk and understanding how the program would work. You know, FedRAMP isn't like, a B2B or a business to consumer. It's like business to business, to consumer, to White House, to the Hill, to the Jab, to an agency. So it's just this complex group of people that we had a good idea of, let's make security authorizations reusable and make them work better. But having that sort of simple idea in a complicated ecosystem was with, you know, with every person having their own desire or demands of the program, making that work, I thought it was fun. I mean, it was more of an art, not really a science. And, you know, like with all art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) So trying to figure out how we could make this picture of a program work as effectively as possible, knowing that everyone had these different desires was, I think, fun, but not without its own set of challenges along the way.
0: You used the word fun several times. I'm surprised that you would actually call it fun. I would say challenging and, and, and rewarding, but fun because you it you a ton of cats. You dealt with a lot of, uh, if you will, I'll say this as nicely as possible, egos and people who think they are much smarter than you and thought they knew a lot more. And then you dealt with some people who, who didn't like you for some reason or didn't like the program and took it out on you. So walk me through a little bit about how you went about Kind of bringing all that together because I think while people still can have complaints about FedRAMP, generally speaking, it is a successful program that is doing what it initially attended, intended to do.
1: I use the term fun because I really enjoyed the people I worked with and I really enjoyed the team that we got to do it. And we all knew that to change things, you're going to ruffle feathers, you're going to step on toes, people are going to get upset. Anytime you do the status quo, that happens but as long as i considered it fun because i felt like we achieved something and i had a team that we could all sort of congratulate each other and smile and have fun along the way but you're right it wasn't there was a lot of egos there were some people who were some pretty big naysayers but at the end of the day i just knew that we had a good idea an idea that made sense that there wasn't something else that made better sense that in order to make it work i had to get those naysayers and other people on board And I think that sort of idea of the people that didn't like me or the naysayers, I think by the end, hopefully they at least got to a respect level, where they knew that our goals were always the same. So whenever I heard someone who said that they didn't want something or they didn't like something or FedRAMP was bad for this, my goal was always to get back to why are they saying that? Why is it that they think what they're doing now is better than what they could get out of this program or out of moving to the cloud? And having that ability to kind of separate what people were saying versus what they actually meant, I think was part of our success. We always knew not to get offended because, or I tried to make sure we didn't get offended when people would do those sort of moves, because I always thought that was just, you know, red herring for what was actually going on. And that to me, I find that sort of human motivation piece, that's what I consider fun. That's what I consider really intriguing at work and why... I thought it was a fun program to build was because to me at the end of the day, the hurdles, while there were plenty of policy and other things, a lot of it really was attitudes and sort of concerns for their own sort of people's own jobs or what they were doing and making sure it wasn't going to change that. And I felt like we could always get there and get everyone on the same page. If we all understood we were coming from the same, the same side and trying to achieve the same goals.
0: I think that's a great, perspective you brought in to say, hey, let's not get offended when people talk about the program, but really try to understand what they're really meaning, where they want to get to. So when you heard complaints about FedRAMP that it took too long or that it cost too much or that reciprocity was too hard or the program was was not worthwhile, it wasn't attacking Matt Goodrich or it wasn't attacking FedRAMP. It was you had to step back and look at the process. And I think that's a really good lesson that a lot of other program managers like yourself could take. How did you continue to have that attitude? Because I could only imagine that there were times when you just wanted to throw your hands up in the air and just walk away because it just the the hurdle the the hill just seemed too high to climb.
1: Because I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I, I mean, that's I, that's fair. I, I mean, that's you know, that's I, what you
0: need to be stubborn sometimes.
1: <laughs> but, but also, I think the end of the day, you know, I like you said the the mission in government and why a lot of people stay and why you know I'm staying still in public sectors. I knew what we were doing at the end of the day was always the right thing. And I knew what we were doing was good and it was better than what was going on now. And so I I just, there were times, yeah, where I did and I would have to leave early, work early and say, I can't do this right now. You know, I'm personally offended. I'm personally mad, but it, you know, take some time, step away, have your moment and come back and say, you know, but this isn't against me. And usually what it would come down to is whenever something was said, besides me getting mad, I try and put myself in their shoes and say, but do I see their viewpoint? Do I agree? I'm just mad they're making it so loud. (laughs) And usually the answer is, yeah, I see their viewpoint and I understand why they're saying that. So now how do we get to a solution so that I can get this person to agree with me, to agree with the program and see that we're doing the right thing?
0: Okay. So let's talk about some of those solutions that you brought to FedRAMP. One of the first, I think the biggest ones was the tailored approach, but walk me through some of the other ideas that came up and that came to fruition based on the feedback you received.
1: Sure. I mean, when I became the director, we were, I think my biggest, I'd say, or two things were one, the high impact baseline, as well as Federamp accelerated. You know, the biggest thing was people wanted more security. And they also said it's taking too long and it's too expensive. And so that would would be what I consider creating both of those, my distinct legacy as director. Because when we came in, it was taking 12 to 18 months to do an authorization. Um, I mean, that's just too long for anybody to do. It's too long for government to sustain, and it's way too, much, too long for industry to sustain. And I remember sitting in a room with the small Fed team that we had and saying, all right, y'all, I'm making a crazy goal. Within a year, we have to come up with a process to authorize consistently vendors within six months, which means we have six months to come up with the process. We have six, within that six months, not only to find the process, find partners who will do it with us, Re- work with the Joint Authorization Board to determine how their roles are going to change, and then pilot it and prove that it can work. So I said, you know, within a year, we're gonna fundamentally change this program. I know the team at the time looked at me like I was crazy, but I was so fortunate to have a team that also supported me in that crazy. <laughs> they took it on as their own mission too. And we had great partners from industry where it, it showed to me that industry also believed in the program, and what its intent was, and knew that it wasn't the fault of FedRAMP that this was happening. It was really the rules and policies and guidelines that we were working with when we started, but then working with industry saying, yeah, we believe in you, but we do believe this could be better, sort of this open kimono back and forth with industry and government working to make that happen. It was amazing. And when we had that first authorization come through in under six months, and knowing now the authorization timelines actually an average more like between four and a half and five and a half months, I think that's amazing because you also don't have a baseline of what traditional ATOs take for on-prem solutions and how complete those authorizations are. So I think that's something that I just think was amazing that we got to do and really again fun, because we got to really get industry and government talking together and working together because we knew that w- the way we are existing wasn't going to survive. And so we had to do this together and it was it was a lot of fun. Okay. The so high baseline. Let me jump in before cool. you go to
0: the high baseline, because I just want to put a finer point on the accelerated. What did you have to go through? Because the rules are the rules. You still had to have rigor. You still had to have meet certain requirements of the, you know, NIST, you know, 800, you know, 53 revision four, three, whatever it was at the time, as well as, the requirements under FISMA, like all these regulations and policies and and laws are still in place. So how did you get to the acceleration point? What were some of the steps?
1: First, we had to realize what we were doing with our partners. So we had some industry come in and we said, okay, from the second an executive said FedRAMP until you are today, tell us what happened. Internally, externally, every interaction you had with us, your interactions internally. And we went like through two days with different vendors going through every single interaction. And that's incredibly amazing for them to be so open with us about what they were doing internally. And it was really hard for us to see because we thought we were being this great customer service organization, and it proved that we actually weren't. We thought we were doing things that were really great and helpful, and they were actually making things harder at times, like giving five comments that were supposed to be holistically applied to 1,000 pages of documents. We thought that was helpful. That was not helpful and it was really bad for someone who was working six months in those docs and was like, great, I got five comments. I mean, that's disheartening. So got kind of opened it up, opened our eyes up. And then that also made us realize that we needed to look at our own internal processes and the journeys that we were doing with the JAB. And we were doing a lot of du- duplicative work from the PMO to the JAB teams and, the, and those teams at DHS, DOD, and GSA. And realized that some of the work that we were doing in fact, most of it was duplicative and wasn't providing value. So we needed to redefine the roles between who was doing what work and why. And then finally, we looked at the process itself. You know, At the end of the day, an ATO means you have all of the authorization documents you need to make a risk-based decision based on the security requirements of protecting data. Well, the process is defined with an 837 or the NIST process. It's designed for building a system. And what we were looking at was mainly looking at systems that were already built. So taking that approach of documenting, then assessing and things like that didn't make sense because the system was there and people who were documenting weren't the ones building the system. So we wanted to go back and look and say, how do we, if we, our goal is just to have all of this documentation and, and evidence at the end, maybe there's another way to do it faster other than the way we've been looking. And that's where we introduced that readiness assessment we realized a lot of vendors are coming in and, you know, the management and operational stuff you have to do for security. I consider that really maturity. And so, but what really stopped the authorizations from getting through fast was technical problems. So a vendor thinking they do backups is enough, but they're not actually doing backups of customer data. Well, that's a very hard thing to start implementing or have to rip and replace and implement that. If you don't know that's a requirement up front, you just think it's backups or not having the right type of multi-factor authentication, that can be very difficult to also take time to rip and replace if you have to. So we wanted to create something where vendors could more easily see up front if they had the right technical pieces in place because they already have it there. So we did like a pre-audit. You're going to go take – your kids are going to go take the SAT. You're not just going to ship them into the test and tell them to take it. They take the PSAT. They take some practice tests. That's what that readiness assessment is intended to do, to say, hey, you've got all the right things there to get through an authorization. You might need to get some maturity, which the authorization process can get you to, but let's make sure you have all the right key things there, so that when you get to time to go through the authorization process, it can happen in under six months, because you have all the right pieces there. You might just have to mature a few of them.
0: Right. Matt, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue to talk about this process as well as the high baseline. My guest is Matt Goodrich, the former director of FedRAMP and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. I'm Jason Miller and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller My guest today is Matt Goodrich, the former director of the FedRAMP program for the government and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. Matt, in many ways, this is an exit interview for you. You spent about a decade in government. You were really the, the driving force to get the FedRAMP cloud security program from a startup to a fully implemented successful program in many ways. So let's continue that conversation about how you did that. You just went through the process for FedRAMP Accelerated. You guys took it down from more than 12 to 18 months to about four to five months for authorization. What was the reaction from industry as you were going through this accelerated project and program? Were they, they were excited, but were they hesitant? Were they, could you not, you know, get them through the door or were they busting through the door to to get to it? Give me a sense of
1: the reaction. I mean, they were busting through the doors to get to get it to happen. I mean, they were, everyone was tired. We were tired of how long it was taking. So I think the acknowledgement, and I think that's one thing in government that's really hard to do, is to acknowledge when you're not doing as well as you could be doing. Because I think a lot of people take that as a sign of failure or as a sign of weakness that then someone could come in and change it or take it away or whatever. And I think for us, it was just obvious. We didn't want to do it. And so I think us having that kind of transparency and we talked very publicly about what we were doing. Before we even did the pilot, or started the pilot, we went out there and said, this is what we realized, and this is what we're going to try and do. So we didn't keep it behind closed doors, which I think also made it more popular with vendors. Because we weren't just saying, hey, we're working on it, but like, give us a minute. No, we're going to bring you into this process. We're going to tell you what we're doing. We're going to tell you what we find as we find it. And we're going to work through it, hopefully, with your feedback so we can iterate more quickly. You know, I, we don't wanna use the term de jour right now, agile, but it was kind of an agile process. We wanted to make sure as we were going through, we weren't going too far down any path that wasn't gonna make sense. And so I think having that transparency and openness really brought industry along, but I think it also really brought along some of the ISSOs and security specialists in government that were so used to doing it the traditional way that they were seeing how their life could be easier. They could actually focus on risk rather than checking boxes. And I got you know everyone excited about it.
0: The one key to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the support you got from GSA, the support you got from OMB. Because there's a lot of pressure on you from whether the Hill or lobbyists going to the Hill or even some of us in the media saying, why isn't FedRAMP more successful? Why is this a pro- such a problem? Why is this so challenging? And there's a lot of vendors who probably were also going to the Hill and trying to lobby OMB about the program it was the difference that you were at, you had trust and you had uh, support from the leadership, whether at GSA or at OMB?
1: Leadership played a lot to do with it. I got a lot of support from those above me, and I think that helped. And I also think it helped that we – I believe that we needed to show our success. So we needed to always show that what we were doing was at least as secure as what people were expecting – but our processes and our outputs were better than what was happening now. So even when it was taking longer than we wanted it to, we still had knowledge that our metrics and our security were better than what you were getting today. And so what we wanted to make sure was that not only if our leadership knew that, then they had a clear story to tell the Hill or to tell others. And so I wanted to make sure that everything we did had metrics and had sort of rational reasons as to why we were doing it. I didn't ever, as a leader, want someone to come to me and say, why are you doing this? And me to say, I don't know, let me get back to you. I wanted to know the program from the ins and outs in every single way, but also show that everything we were doing in the program, we knew was driving towards more clouds. So more clouds for agencies to use, less time to get through the process, You know, we also wanted to make sure we were innovating at all times and that we were connecting our community. So if I couldn't point to one of those four things, then I didn't think I had a clear story. So I think it made it hopefully easier for my leadership to know they were placing trust in me in the right way, because I had a clean story to tell them as to why this program was impactful, why it was successful. Even if there are critiques, we are growing and we're still doing better than what is traditionally happening across government.
0: Was there ever a time where you said, this is not going to work, I got to leave, I got to get out, This is. I got to quit this because this is just, I can't make this work, there's too much pressure, there's too much naysayers, there's too much doubters? Or did the confidence that you uh, showed publicly, was that always also showed privately?
1: <laughs> um, definitely not. Everything that happened private <laughs> was so publicly displayed. There were definitely some hard times. I don't think I ever was on the verge of saying, I can't do this, or this isn't going to work. Other than there were just some pretty hard times of, you know, some pretty heavy naysayers and some pretty harsh critiques sometimes that were very personal. But at the end of the day, again, I was able to look at what my goal was. Again, it was very hard at times and I think that's where I always look back and look at the team that we had at FedRAMP. And I had such amazing support from not only the federal team, but our contract supports with Noblis and The Clearing we built a family. You know, I've come from a family of small business. My parents own small businesses. Um, and I always tried to build my team in the same way. You know, even though we might be in this big government, we're here to support each other, whether it's something in your personal life or something at work. I wanted to make sure everyone felt supported and like they were part of a family or a team that really that meant something. And so whenever I had those hard times or hard moments, The team was right there behind me, whether it was for a drink at happy hour or a hug in the morning, but we all were just there together. And so I never felt like I was in it alone. So whenever it got personal or got really hard, it was like there was a whole group of us going, well, this isn't going to stay like this. We're going to make this better. We're going to turn this around. And that's what was really great.
0: As you look back over the last couple of years, uh, five, seven years of FedRAMP, and what's the one or two lessons or or advice you'd give another federal program manager
1: one pointing back to sort of what we were just talking about make sure you know why you're doing what you're doing and tie that to success metrics and i don't I hate to overuse the term metrics but you're doing you're spending time and energy on something that is still money whether that's personnel salaries or whether that's contract support why are you spending that money making sure that that actually points to a reason that that program is there That's not always going to be a metric that talks about cost savings or use or something else, but why is it that you're doing it? And if you can't make that connection, then you shouldn't be doing that work. So I think we need to, I think for a manager or a program director to look at that kind of, why is it I'm doing what I'm doing and making sure all of those actions are getting there.
0: But let me jump in because let me jump in real quick on that because- if I'm a program manager and I'm doing my work because Congress told me, because OMB told me, because my boss told me. So you t- take me just a step deeper. Your goal, if you will, your metrics were how do we make cloud secure, reciprocity, make it, you know, use, do once, use many. I mean, you had those types of, of you, ha- you want to go the next level down, is what you're really talking to.
1: Right, I mean so do once use many, how am I making sure that we are doing that? You know, reciprocity was always an issue. So if I'm gonna put a team out there doing agency work and connecting with agency people, you know, why am I doing that? Because I want reciprocity to work. So I might be spending, you know, two people on my team to go out there and if someone asks, Why are you having someone just going out there talking to agencies? Because these agencies aren't understanding our process. They don't have a connection to the PMO. Therefore, I think it's important to have two people out there actually making those connections. So it doesn't have to be, you know, overly thought out in terms of like direct lines and money and things like that. But you've got to be able to to describe why you're doing what you're doing and not saying because it's the way we've always done it. Or I came in and there's always two people doing that. Okay, we'll examine why it is that you're doing what you're doing. And if the reason you have to do it is because Congress told you to. That's the then that's fine. That is the reason, but making sure what you're doing is supporting what Congress actually asked you to do. And
0: then you're going to go into your second lessons learned or, or advice. Well,
1: the second one I would say is focus on the people. I think a good percentage of success in any job is not necessarily your own intellect or skill. I think it's knowing who the right people are to align with, to get answers from, to help you out. And then you're going to end up helping them out too. So I think for me, I also, you know, I, like I said, I really find people's motivations and why people do what they do to be kind of intrinsic of something that I find interesting. And I think that's one thing that has helped me be successful was always trying to understand what people's motivations were. Because I think people at their core are good, <laughs> not to be cheesy. But so I think I always wanted to see what they were trying to do, why they're trying to do it. How can I help them? How can they help me and and connect? And you know, FedRAMP is such a vast ecosystem of a bunch of different players. If I wasn't intrigued by people and what they needed, then it wouldn't have been successful.
0: Now, I know you left FedRAMP, you said, about six, eight months ago before you left government. But when you left, officially, when you left government, uh, Ashley Mahan, who's the uh, director of FedRAMP. Now, w- what advice did you give her, w- or what did you leave her from a to-do list, or uh, any sort of memento, if you will, to to help her get through the any, any sort of rough times that she has ahead of her?
1: The first thing was what we talked about earlier: don't take it personally. You know, it's not something a program like this that's this public in nature. People are going to say things. Don't take anything that someone says about the program so personally, and then you'll be able to, you know, effectively move forward. I also said, you know, I think she's the right person to be leading this program because I think it is also at a critical stage where they're having to figure out how are they going to scale appropriately for the future and needed some new eyes. And I think Ashley has such a great experience from her time outside of government, her time working on the program as a contractor, as well as then as a Fed, to really know the needs of the community. And she's such a creative human being, too, that she's going to come up with great ideas and ways to implement, you know, more automation into the process or, you know, ways to scale in a way that I didn't think of. So I just told her to believe in herself.
0: That's tremendous advice. People have to have that confidence as they work on take over big programs. And she's been with you for quite a while. So it's not new to her. It's not like she's coming in from the outside, but still, when all of a sudden that that you're in charge, so to speak, is always a little different. Matt, let's take a quick break. My guest is Matt Goodrich, the former director of FedRAMP and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Goodrich, the former director of the FedRAMP program for the government and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. Matt, in many ways, this is an exit interview for you. You spent about a decade in government. You were really the the driving force to get the FedRAMP cloud security program from a startup to a fully implemented, successful program in many ways. Matt, we've talked a lot about FedRAMP. Let's move on. You've done other things in your career in government. A couple other accomplishments that, that come to mind?
1: I did spend a short stint at the White House at working at OMB, really enjoyed that time getting to understand kind of how policy happens and then gets pushed to agencies and how it gets enforced. At that time, I also wrote um, a, you know, a a white paper that went out through the CIO council and the CAO council about how to effectively buy cloud. Um, And I was pretty proud of that document that I worked on with some colleagues and then back at GSA, at the very end, running the Office Products and Programs. You know, it's a pro- an office that's been in GSA for a while and supports really major initiatives that are either free or low cost for agencies to use. Things like data.gov, usa.gov, challenge.gov, you know, a lot of these sort of programs that are trying to remove certain barriers to IT modernization. And I think they just do such amazing work that it was really great to be able to see how portions of the office that I maybe didn't work on so closely while I was building FedRAMP really understood what they were doing and the impacts they were having across government. You know, it's an office that doesn't get a huge budget, but the ROI from that office is astounding. Um, And so it was just really, I think, a sort of cap to my career in government so far to be able to expand beyond just FedRAMP and see kind of how such a small office with great ideas and great people can truly change, you know, how the government operates.
0: Matt, we're just about out of time. This has been a fascinating conversation. Before I let you go, I have two more quick questions. Uh, Number one, uh, you had to deal with industry a whole lot. You had to deal with them through FedRAMP, through the process, but also in other parts of your job and your career. Uh, from a putting on your hat that says you know federal government employee, what's the advice or what's the lesson you're bringing as you are now in industry that you want to a teach your fellow coworkers at Salesforce, but also b as you go back and talk to your colleagues in government, what, what's the best advice that you would say to, to to bring back to government from industry or bring to industry from government?
1: I think the idea of we both trust each other and our goals are typically roughly the same. I know private sector needs to make money. But in the government space, in most public sector areas, the idea of trying to transform how people do business is really why I'm at a company like Salesforce. And I think in government with the Idea Act, with a bunch of other things, we're trying to change how citizens experience the, their their government. You know, I want that to change for me personally, too. So I think that idea, though, that Our goals are the same. You know, at FedRAMP, we had to kind of get there. We had to get vendors to say, to provide us certain information because they should trust us and we want to trust them. So to to government, I want to come back and say, basically, you know, you can trust us and here's why. And I'll have as much of an open book as I can. And I think to government, you know, have a little bit more trust in vendors too. Because what I saw from my experience in government was that vendors are still trustworthy. And I think there's a lot of Times where government defaults to thinking that there's some ulterior motive other than having the same kind of ideas of transforming business. And I think that's sort of what the key that I see in this space and that I saw around FedRAMP was we're all trying to make the experience better. Now let's do it in a way that's effective for both of us.
0: And I think one of the reasons why you were able to see that other side of the vendors is because you worked with them so closely and because you guys are so open at FedRAMP to say, Here's what we're trying to do. We may not be perfect. Help us make it better, and that's a little different than a lot of other programs that are okay. Here's the contract. Do what it says. Don't you know? Don't don't question what we're doing. I I, th- I think you you had to have a different relationship with vendors to be successful. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> if we didn't, we would have lasted six months. <laughs> so I think you know, without that openness, and and I'll be honest, there were I think when we went through some of the worst. Sort of public times of the program is when we weren't open and transparent. You know, that's when we started the blog. That's when we started the weekly tips and cues. All of those things were a direct result of us realizing we were being quiet and we weren't talking enough. Um, And that was a good wake-up call a few years ago.
0: That's a great point. I think uh, I've always, uh, as as a journalist, as someone who wants more use cases, wants more success stories. Uh, I'm always a, a, a big supporter of government talking more. So <laughs> thank you for that. And finally, Matt, I know you just jumped out of government and you are barely you know, a couple months on, into your new job. But, you know, as you look down your career and, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, would you expect to come back to government?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's without the range of possibility. I think for me, I think public sector will always be where I am, whether that's business or, or on the vendor side or government and actually being in government. I try and live my life by a way my parents taught me to think about your life in five-year increments and look at opportunities. Five years ago, do you think you'd be where you are now? Ten years ago, do you think where you'd be where you are now? I don't think any time anyone's been able to say, yes, that's exactly where I wanted to be or I thought I would be. And I think that's where I look at my career of what's the right thing for me right now and where I, is it making the most sense? For a long time there was government. Right now it's Salesforce and I'm excited to see where I am in five years with Salesforce, where I am Five years after that and see you know where my career takes me. So I think the main answer is i never saying no to coming back to government. And I think for me, though, it's always going to be about being in the public sector because this is the space that I truly believe I have passion about changing the way government works to be better for its citizens.
0: All right. On that note, Matt, that was a great ending note. So thank you for that. Let me thank my guest, Matt Goodrich the former director of the FedRant program and the current principal solutions engineer and security specialist at Salesforce. Matt, thanks for your time today. And of course, thank you for your service to the country.
1: Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it.
0: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.